everybody. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Hot routes once again, Matthew Collar and Manny Hill. And you know, Manny, I'm glad I'm glad to have you here tonight. I'm always glad to have you. But when anything historic related happens, I feel like you're the best person to have on a show. And uh, the Bears, as we speak right now, are channeling the ghost of uh, Dick Butkus and his soul into a 17-point lead over uh, Washington. But uh, Butkus passed away today at the age of 80. And there is only one way in my mind to describe Dick Butkus is just a the quintessential NFL player, a true icon of the game. And if you were to say, describe football in 10 players, Dick Butkus has to be among one of the first players that comes to mind to describe the game of football. And I'm just seeing all these things, all these old NFL films and everything else. I've been watching a lot of that in the last couple of hours and looking up, you know, some of his numbers, some of his accomplishments, but I just, I will always have that vision of him with his hands all wrapped up the giant shoulder pads, throwing people to the ground, the mud and the dirt of Chicago. And uh, what a, what a incredible career and football life that guy lived. And uh, you know, just, I mean, how, 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 how else can you contextualize it? Just one of the true football faces of history, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as you know, my, my stepdad, uh, Oscar Reed, uh, played in the NFL for eight seasons, seven with the Vikings. And his first six seasons in the NFL was right smack in the middle of the prime of Dick Butkus. Like, and that was the Vikings and the Bears playing each other twice a season. And, uh, you know, Oscar was a running back. And so, you know, if you're going up against, you know, if you're a running back, you're going up against the middle linebacker a lot of, uh, a lot of times throughout a game. And uh, yeah, my stepdad had some stories about Dick Butkus, about, you know, <laughs> the different things he would do after he tackled you. If you got deep into a pile with him, he was um, he was just an intense player and just a great player. Like you said, so iconic, uh, physical. He hit you hard. Um, he really um, led the way for, you know, that era of football, the late 60s and, and early 70s just an iconic figure. And, uh, you know, I, I always think back of that. You remember that visa commercial he did with uh, Terry Bradshaw back in the mid nineties where they're, they're like singing to each other and talking about different, uh, times they went up against each other in the early seventies. That was really cool. But, but Dick Butkus was, uh, he's an all-timer man, all-time great rest in peace to him. And even, uh, in the last, I think two years he got on Twitter and it was like really him and he was track trash talking fans and stuff. But yeah, I mean, just the, the way he continued to carry the torch for Chicago and be, uh, kind of around that organization all the time and a visible figure was cool as well, because you wanted to learn about like, who is, who is this guy? Like, why is he such a le legend? Why is he such an icon? And you know, just NFL films mean so much to me. So to watch those things growing up, but was always kind of at the center of all of those like NFL's greatest players, greatest players of the 60s. He made the all 60s and all 70s team crazy. I mean, he played for only nine years, but he made eight Pro Bowls. The only year he didn't was his last year we got hurt. And I think it was five all pros in those nine seasons. 
And the, the stat I was just watching, one of those old clips that they brought up was that he caused individually 47 turnovers in his nine seasons, which is nuts. Like he would intercept passes and he could catch the ball and run with the ball like as being this giant hulking player. Uh, and being 6'3 and 245 back in the day, he was as big as any of those offensive linemen, yet he moved like he should have been you know, an offensive skill player. And and the, during the early days of the NFL, one of the things that happened to kind of Gail Sayers, and there was a number of players like this in from the 60s and 70s, was if you were great, you could be really above the game with your greatness. I think now, I mean, we do see this. We're going to talk about Mahomes versus Jefferson with players who dominate the game. But in that era, there were some that the gap between them and the next best player was very wide. And so the gap between like Dick Buckus and the next best was very big. And so there were a few guys that just kind of ran the league at that time. And uh, he was one of them. So rest in peace to an all time legend in uh, Dick Buckus. And I think if you're talking about all time greatest players of the league, uh, you're going to put him on on any list that uh, you're going to start kind of with him in that same vein as the Johnny Unitas and the, all the way through, you know, the era of some of the greatest players. Yeah, and he was the I think one of the sort of a fun factoid about him was that guy was Illinois through and through. Born and raised in Chicago, played college football at the University of Illinois for the Fighting Illini, and then played his entire pro career with the Chicago Bears. I mean, if you're talking about iconic sports figures in the state of Illinois, the history of the state of Illinois, obviously Michael Jordan gets talked about, but Dick Butkus is like Illinois through and through um, just an amazing, amazing, iconic figure and uh, just a just a great player. So let's talk about um, so I'm glad we could have that you know discussion about Dick Butkus and I'm going to continue to read about him and, and watch the old stuff that pops up on Twitter. Uh, now, when someone passes away who's like that, so much content just sort of floods in and I feel like. You know, in a way, I wish I had been spending some time learning about Dick Buckus before learning more about him. But in a way, that's one of the great parts of social media is that I could immediately find out more about this player and, and have some more appreciation for them. Uh, but we've got the icons of the game going up against each other here at U.S. Bank Stadium. Do we, with Vikings fans and their anxiousness about this game, and about the season and about the next year's draft and about the, the whatever, all the things that we worry about, the right guard. I, there are some times where I think that we don't enough kind of pull ourselves back and talk about Justin Jefferson because we're always looking for the things that are wrong. That's just the, like what we do. How are they going to fix this so they win is always the discussion. Justin Jefferson taken care of. But as we were talking to Justin in the locker room today, I was thinking about his press conference was pretty short, but not because of him, because of us, because we've run out of questions for Justin Jefferson. Hey, Justin, another great catch, pal. Your thoughts? I mean, hey, the way you're handling this contract situation is like basically perfect in the way that you draw it up with no drama whatsoever. Thoughts? Like we're we're like we're a few weeks away from asking him about the Oakleys that he's wearing. I mean, it's, it's kind of a remarkable, but when we look at these two guys, the Mahomes and Justin Jefferson might be, if you were just ranking all players in the NFL, not for position one and two, 
they might be up there for their dominance. And I want to kind of appreciate that going into this game, just the pure sheer excellence and dominance of these players without talking about like the guard or something, uh, because what Jefferson is doing so far is so utterly dominant that you can only start putting him in the categories of the great players of NFL history at his position. No question. And I think when you, when you think about the wide receiver position, it a lot of times it is dependent on the quarterback being able to get him the football and the offense being designed for him uh, to get open and be able to make plays. So you're, you're, you're kind of relying on other people to kind of do their part so that you can shine and be special. Um, And, you know, you look at the way Justin Jefferson is so dominant. It's, it's hard to be a wide receiver, to be a dominant player when, you know, you're a lot, a lot of times the average guy in that position might get the ball four or five times a game. I mean, the average good player, um, but the way that he's able to, to get himself open to make just unbelievable catches, he's so technically sound with the way he runs his routes. Um, you throw the football in his direction, he's going to catch it. Um, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just astonishing. And, and I'm with you. Like you, you kind of just run out of words to, to describe him and, and uh, you know, really kind of grasp how incredible he is and how dominant he is. And I mean, how many times have we, you know, seen a wide receiver be viewed as like the best player in football? It doesn't happen a lot. It's usually a quarterback. And even a lot more times it's, it's like a defensive player or something like that. That's, you know, a linebacker or a defensive tackle or some sort of pass rusher or something like that. But for a wide receiver to be viewed by several of his peers as the best player in football, or at least like one of the two or three best players in football, it just goes to show you how incredible this guy actually is. And sometimes we don't until we've thought about it for 10 years, uh, like really recognize some of it. And I don't mean that anyone missed how great Randy Moss was like Randy Moss brought Minnesota fans in, in ways that had never been there before. And national fans, there are people who follow purple insider from lots of other States who I will ask, Oh, so how'd you become a Vikings fan growing up in, you know, Southern California Moss. It's always, the answer is always Moss. Uh, but then in hindsight, as we think about it now, you like some of the other stuff sort of fades away with Moss. We just like this guy was one of the icons of the game. And every time you got to watch him, it was a privilege. And we are reaching that standpoint with Jefferson because he comes into the league. His first game, he goes for 175. And you're like, okay, well, that could be something to watch. And then he does it for that season. But there have been other guys who did it like David Boston had the one season and then fell off. And there have been, you know, those other guys who was the, uh, there was a receiver for Tampa Bay who was famous for this, who had like this big first season and then, you know, did nothing else after. So it's happened in the league before then he does it again, but there's this weird dynamic of like, are they ever really going to throw to him and things like that, you know, right enough. And since Kevin O'Connell has arrived, he's become the true centerpiece of the entire team. And then we've seen his star even elevate to a completely different level. And there's a few things that fascinate me about Justin Jefferson. Number one is the guy's drive is just insane because he has two of the best seasons ever for a young player and then comes to us his first press conference before 2022. And he said, by the end of the season, I want to be considered the best receiver in football. And we're like, 
oh, okay. I mean, for anybody else, you'd be like, yeah, oh, okay, whatever. But like, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense because you could be, but you know, Devontae Adams and Diggs and Tyreek Hill, whatever. And then he did it. And then he comes back this year and it's like, all right, well, everyone's really going to be putting the, the attention on him now. Last year, they kind of started halfway through the season, but now it's really coming. And he's just continued to do it and continue to do it. And I was watching a route from him last week. His detail of the routes, it, it's not. With Moss, he had this stuff, but there was this element of like you could just throw it up and he would go catch it. So you just thought, well, the, he's the freak, right? With Jefferson, he is a freak athletically, but there's such a detail to his game that reminds me of like a Diggs, except for he's bigger than Stefan Diggs. And, and it seems like every year, he just continues to improve and continues to find something to drive him, which I think is like a staple of only the greatest players in sports. Yeah, you you kind of look at him and, and he, he kind of, it, it seems like he has like different pieces of different elements of other wide receivers built in him. He's got good speed. He runs great routes. He's got terrific hands. He can go deep. He can go intermediate routes. You can hit him with a pass on a screen and he can go and make people miss and make things happen. It's, it's, you know, not every wide receiver, even the like the great ones we've seen in the past have been able to do, have been able to be like a five tool wide receiver, a guy that you can basically do almost anything with. Um, it's, it's just, it's amazing, man. I I'm just kind of blown away. And, you know, you, you think about where he, you know, where he went to college with LSU, that high powered offense with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase on the other end and Thaddeus Moss, Randy's kid as the tight end there. And, you know, they, there's this great high powered offense that set all these college records and they win the national championship. Sometimes when you see offenses like that, you, you think like, okay, there's a lot of talent here, but like, how can these, you know, how will these guys function when they're not together? Like you take Justin Jefferson, you know, if you, you take Jamar Chase from the other side of Justin Jefferson, you know, the other end of the field, you know, can he be as productive, that sort of thing. And the same thing for Jamar Chase, you know, and the fact that Justin's come to this team and he's turned into the player that he is. Everybody knows when you're playing the Vikings, their game plan is to get Justin Jefferson the ball. It's not a secret. And for him to still be this productive and a credit to Kevin O'Connell as well for, you know, dialing up the right plays and, and scheming him open and things like that. But when the opposing team knows what you're doing and they still can't diminish his production, it's um, amazing. It's a testament to him. You know what I really like about the Mahomes and Jefferson um, comparison or their background stories is they have some things in, in common. One is that their families had success in sports Two, like being at LSU when his brother was there, kind of like playing for a pro sports team with the amount of attention. I forget what the stadium is called, but like it's a crazy, crazy atmosphere that you're playing in national championship contention all the time. And so he his family was already like there before he ever had to do that. And then Mahomes, uh, you know, everyone remembers and has probably heard by now that his dad pitched for the Twins and so forth. But that was growing up around a big league atmosphere. And it has never seemed too much for them. The attention has never seemed to rattle them in any way. And even Jefferson politely asking people to stop tweeting him the trades last week. So there's that. There's that. 
that nothing happens that ever seems to bother them. Like nothing, like nothing that anyone is saying, no game that they're going into. They never seem to get, they, they get emotional on the field as competitors, but never feel like, oh, they're sort of out of their element in any way. The other part of it is that both of them were underappreciated coming out uh, in the draft. And because I think that if you're talking about number one overall picks, Patrick Mahomes, um, he would have been up there with Peyton Manning. If you knew what he was going to be Peyton Manning or John Elway or like the greatest top picks ever, but he wasn't because there were flaws in his game, or at least the traditional way of viewing a quarterback's game. And then, you know, with the footwork and all that. And then with Jefferson, it was, well, he only plays in the slot. And so then there's this cool discussion of, well, what did we miss? What did we miss? And I did an article about this once with Jefferson, and it really boiled down to that teams were concerned that he couldn't beat people on the outside, which now seems like the funniest thing ever. And it really comes down to Mahomes' footwork, which seems like the funniest thing ever because his footwork doesn't matter with his arm strength and uh, his pocket presence. But I love that both of them have carried this chip of the shoulder through the draft of People didn't really believe that I was that at, like that that good, even as a first round talent. And they've made it to the point where they're the top of their craft. I think that's a really interesting story that's similar between those two. Yeah, the, the draft part of it is especially fascinating when you think about the guys that were that played the same position as them that were drafted before them. And you just kind of look at that and just shake your head. I mean, you and I have had texting conversations about you know, the Bears taking Mitch Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the Eagles, you know, the Eagles have done fine, you know, the last couple of years. Obviously, they're one of the best teams in football, and they were in the Super Bowl last year. But even then, you know, taking Jalen Rager over uh, Justin Jefferson, I mean, it's you'd look at that. and Can you imagine if Justin Jefferson were on that team right now with the Philadelphia Eagles? I mean, it's just uh it's remarkable, man. And and to see these two guys, you know, at the top of their game and, you know, just dominating the way they have their, their, their family background is so fascinating. And, and I think that the, the family part of it too, is kind of, I think it's played a big role in their, their drive to be great because you see that a lot with like, guys that are in football families there's always that sort of that inner competition within their siblings or within their parents that you know they want to be better they want to be great they want to you know it's not a, a a serious thing but it's you know it's just sort of that extra chip on their shoulder to be as great as they possibly can and even better than their brother better than their dad etc cetera, etc cetera. so um to see these guys do that is just um absolutely incredible so NFL people will say it means something to him is like a common phrase when they talk about great players. And I always like mostly understood that like, okay, I get it. Like it's important. Football is important to him. But I think that the actual value of what you can be as a player is really shown in both of these guys. But just since I've covered Jefferson, I know this better from him that when he was, I think in his second year, or maybe it was even his rookie year. I know that his brother came up to Minnesota and stayed with him and he would go to work at the facility, all the stuff he's got to do there and then go home and then watch back tape 
of practice with his brother, who obviously was a really good football player too. And, and it's like, this, this means a lot to him to be this great. And, and that's all that, that, that seems to, to matter to him is his family. And then like winning and, and playing at this high level. And there's not that many people that are like that. Not to say that outside interests are a problem, but I mean, it just, it just matters to him so much that he's always trying to do everything in his life to be the best football player he can be. And I think that's allowed him to maximize his talents. And, and that, that obviously goes for Patrick Mahomes too. Um, Bob uh, is making a Jerry Rice comparison. Um, it says don't need top end speed to be a technical uh, magician. And I think that that's mostly true, but also Jefferson does run a four, four. So <laughs> it's uh, he's got everything. Give me a comp though. What's your comp? What's your, what's your Jefferson comp? Ooh. Um, Want me to give you mine because I had it on the tip of my tongue? Sure. Okay. If Andre Johnson played today with fantasy football, social media, and everything else, Andre Johnson would have been a massive, massive star. Okay, Texans teams, okay, quarterback, not quite of that level, but size, speed, strength, technical ability, and character where you Andre Johnson was never a guy who was really putting himself out there uh, or, or, you know, being kind of, I know I don't like to use the word diva. I, I think that's just, you know, kind of lazy, but you know what I mean? Like just this go about his business, make plays every, every game could do anything that he wanted to do on the field, the size, speed, strength combination, always open, always making contested catches. If he needs to that, that's my comp. I just think that Andre Johnson wasn't around at a time where people would be able to access Texans games or see every highlight. And if they could, they would have appreciated him a lot more. Yeah. I like that one. I was kind of thinking, I was kind of thinking Tory, like a better Tory Holt. Cause Tory Holt was one of those guys who ran great routes, had terrific hands, was really technically sound um, and was just incredibly productive. You know, even, um, you know, it, when he got towards the, the the prime of his career, when Isaac Bruce wasn't part of the, the greatest show on turf anymore, you know, Isaac had gotten a little bit older and moved on in his career. Um, you look up and Torrey Holt was just constantly there um, in terms of production. And uh, I mean, you just similar, similar size. Justin's probably a little bit bigger, but same type of thing, man. Just, you know, five tool guy speed route running hands intangibles um competitive drive wanting to win you know what i mean not really worried about you know not complaining as much about you know how many times he's getting the ball because he knew he was going to get the ball a lot um but really just uh just the ultimate pro man i mean that's that's kind of when i think about justin jefferson and you know guys like tory holt as well just the ultimate professional man it's really it's really cool yeah, the other one that came to mind for me, and I don't think it's necessarily considered this way because in our minds, Julio Jones is just running 70 yards down the field. But on a play-to-play basis, like Julio Jones, because Jefferson runs down the field routes a lot. Like he's not a Cooper Cup. He's not underneath with these quick little routes to get a bunch of catches. He is going 15, 20 yards, these multiple move type of plays to try to get him open. And that's very similar to Julio Jones. And the other reason I would say there's a comp there is that there's no weakness. I can't think of a, Oh, if you only do this, then you got them. Like there's that for 95% of players. If you are able to execute X, Y, or Z, that is not the case uh, when it comes to Justin Jefferson. 
Um, let me tell you about some pizza and some prize picks. And then we've got some, a few other things to discuss. Including, let me start with prize picks and I'll tell you why. Because last night when I did my prize picks, Manny, I discovered that one of the options on prizepicks.com is kickers. And they will have combinations of kickers for games and you could pick more or less like three and a half field goals. Will there be more or less three or three and a half field goals? I went with this bears Washington game and right now there's three. So I need one more field goal in this game as we're watching it. Uh, prizepicks.com. It's been really fun for the show to do our prize picks where mostly it's player yardage totals where you pick more or less. So is it Kirk cousins, 250 yards or more or less but now that I've discovered kickers, we might have to do that each week uh, with some kickers. Very easy to play. Just go sign up at prizepicks.com slash purple. Use the code purple for a first deposit match up to $100. And uh, one of the things I like about it is you don't have to put a whole lot of money down. You don't have to put out a second mortgage. Throw in 10 bucks. You could turn it into 250 with a few good plays like me picking these kickers to make all these field goals in this game. I just figured these teams couldn't score in the red zone. Uh, prizepicks.com slash purple with the code purple daily fantasy sports made easy and want to remind you that little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Make it part of your game day order online during their pizza, pizza pregame one hour before NFL games, get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. So I texted you a few things that I want to talk about early in the day. And uh, one of them was, uh, I'll let you pick the next topic where we're going to go with this, Manny. One of them was players who left the Vikings and became something because Jarek McKinnon, Super Bowl champion coming back to town. And the other one was just the Super Bowl odds as we stand right now, which still have Kansas City, no shock, at the very top, even if they've shown a little bit of weakness. Which would you rather discuss? Uh, let's go, let's go with Super Bowl odds first. Okay. Let me give you the top of Super Bowl odds. Uh, the 49ers and chiefs are both and this. I'm going by DraftKings just cause that's the easiest one I pulled up, but use your favorite one. This is just DraftKings order. 49ers and Kansas city chiefs are both plus five fifty. Then Philadelphia Eagles and Buffalo bills plus seven fifty. Cowboys dolphins are plus 1000. And then Baltimore, Detroit after that. And the drop-off after Detroit is pretty significant because it's Cleveland, Chargers, Jaguars, Bengals, Seahawks, Saints, Packers, Vikings. So there's a pretty clear have and have not to the Super Bowl odds, and, and it's reflected in the actual numbers as well. Do you think that this order is correct for how you would put them. And if there was a long shot in there somewhere, and I, I just mean not the Chiefs, not the 49ers, where would you be going? Oh, man, it's so weird. It, it, I'm still, I'm kind of, I'm looking at the list now. It's so weird seeing the Lions up as high as they are. It's so, I mean, it's it's not a great number, but it's still like, it's it's significant. It's much higher than we've seen the Detroit Lions in the past. Um. Yeah, as far as a, a, a team that could, you know, maybe surprise some people, um, you know, I still, I'm still a believer in Jacksonville. I don't 
I don't think that loss at home to Houston, that blowout loss to the Texans, I don't think that's really indicative of the kind of team that they are. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence is such a talented quarterback. They've got weapons on offense. Defense is probably not great, but I think if if their offense can get in gear, it can maybe, you know, carry them on on sort of a run that you don't um that you don't really expect. So Jacksonville's kind of a team that stands out to me that I think could turn it around pretty quickly and and maybe jump up the jump up the list a little bit. Uh, maybe I might pick the Bears as a long shot as they are up twenty to three and moving the football. And maybe by the time if you're watching, if, did they gotten into the end zone? They're like at least yeah. on my. They just got so it's twenty seven to three. It's twenty six to three. I think they're waiting for the extra point. Oh my! Wow! And I yeah. and I was buying Washington after last week, week to week league, Manny. Uh, that that is crazy. If if Justin Fields figured it out right before playing the Vikings, here's something I discovered. This is off topic from the Super Bowl odds, but since the Bears just went up by this many points, they're going to win this game. And all of a sudden, after last week against Denver and now this, two bad opponents, but it uh, gives you a little more pause. How about this, though, Manny? Last night on the show, we talked about whether – you believe that the Vikings are cursed and there's curses because Jonathan Harrison dug up this weird Jim Nance curse that the Vikings have had. The Vikings play the bears right after Friday, the 13th. Mm. Spooky. That's a spooky place, man. Soldier field is the spookiest place in the league. You walk up. It's like dark out there. There's that one building. I forget what it's called, but it's like lit up. It's got the big columns. It's the museum or something or whatever. Sorry, Chicago people. I don't know what it's called, but in soldier field is kind of scary outside. It has that old school like feel it's fall. There's the leaves coming down. It's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. It's Friday the 13th. Kind of reminds me when they played him on Halloween and had a meltdown there. That's that's exactly where I'm going. I'm glad you brought that up. I think that was that was 2016, right? That was the Sam Bradford year. I think on Halloween, was that a was that a Monday night game? I think it was a Monday night game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember uh, producing on the radio at that time. I was running the the post game uh, post game call in show at that time, uh, and I remember opening the show with the Michael Myers Halloween music as I was playing like all of these bears highlights uh beating the Vikings that night yeah man Soldier Field is already historically kind of a house of horrors for the Vikings you add in you know a Halloween element Friday the 13th element uh and if the bears are like hitting a little bit of a groove here could be troublesome could be. I I never count it out. I never I this year, and this is probably me jinxing this. I changed my rule because I thought so little of the Bears. Normally, my rule, maybe you remember this, when I pick the schedule, I always put an L at Soldier Field. Always, every year. And the last couple of years, though, they've gotten wins. Fields has been bad. They're just dysfunctional, tanky organizations. So, like, uh, maybe this year I'll change that. That's probably a a jinx. And so I apologize when the Vikings go there and lose 38 to three against Justin Fields, that's going to be on me. And I'll take responsibility for that. Uh, going back to the Super Bowl odds, I will not be picking the bears despite their performance here tonight on Thursday night football against sack Howell and the uh, Washington commanders. 
he's Sam Howell could play except for he gets sacked all the time so much that the bears can sack him. That's how bad it's been. I, the bills having the third best odds tied with Philadelphia and second best in the AFC are certainly not a long shot, but what they did last week against Miami to me showed what that team can really be over the long run and how we overreact to, you know, crazy week one results that, that happened with the New York jets and Allen having that bad game since then they've blown out everybody. They've just smashed everyone's face in, including a great Miami dolphins team. So that, that is not a, a long shot, but I actually think that as of right now, the bills deserve better odds than Kansas city. I think the bills are a stronger team than the Kansas city chiefs. If the Vikings were going to Buffalo now, I would feel like, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. Kansas city, uh, you know, I, you could see them being a little more human. So I think Buffalo deserves actually better odds there. And if we're going long shot ish, I got, I got two teams for long shot ish. Cause obviously we're not going like Falcons or something. The Baltimore Ravens are playing some good football. And I think that what happens sometimes when you change an offense is the early part of the season could be a little rocky. And I think they were just starting to get it last week. Lamar played extremely well against Cleveland. Great defense. So the way that they're playing and their defense, definitely. I would pick the Ravens right now as a bit of a longer shot. And on the NFC side, can we give the Seattle Seahawks some some credit here? Like they can get after the passer, not just when it's the New York Giants. They have a defensive line that once again is getting after the quarterback. Boye Mafe, uh, he's, he's been extremely good for them. Geno Smith is playing like a star quarterback. They've got great wide receivers, a good running game. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that they deserve a little bit more credit for what they could be. And uh, to your question, Horse Feathers, yes, absolutely. Courtney Cronin will be coming on Chicago Week. That for the rest of the time, as long as she is the Bears reporter until they make her full time on ESPN TV, which soon I'm guessing uh, she will be coming on to preview Vikings bears. There's no question about that, but how do you, how do you feel about my picks, Manny? How about uh, Seattle and Baltimore? Yeah, I like, I like both of those Seattle. I, I think the most impressive thing with Seattle is that we're kind of learning that what happened with Geno Smith last year is not a fluke. You know, I mean, Geno had such a tumultuous career. Um, you know, the first 10 years of his career, he was, you know, a bust with the jets. And then he was just kind of this journeyman guy that was just back a a backup quarterback for a couple of teams. And then to just kind of come out of nowhere last year and be the, be the guy that replaces Russell Wilson, who was so, you know, loved and, and, and respected in Seattle. um, And to have the kind of year he had last year, and then he's coming back this year and still being very productive. They're winning games. They've won. Uh, three in a row after kind of laying an egg at home against the Rams to start the year. Uh, I like what Seattle's doing. I mean, Pete Carroll, man, he's, um, I, I don't know how he's doing it at, what is he, 72 now? This is, this is it's it's, it's really incredible. And Baltimore, yeah, I, I think the Ravens, as long as Lamar Jackson is healthy, I'm never really going to doubt the Baltimore Ravens. I You know, the guy has just been winning games um, ever since he came into the league. And and I know people get on him about, you know, well, there's no Super Bowl yet. Well, you're in the same conference as Patrick Mahomes. It's kind of hard. <laughs> kind of hard to get past that guy. Um, and they haven't even matched up in the playoffs yet, I don't, I don't believe. So, um, but yeah, I think as long as Lamar is healthy, 
I think the Ravens are always going to have a shot and they're always going to be in the comp- uh, conversation. And this week we get to see San Francisco and Dallas, which is always, always uh, nostalgia for us going back in the day to uh, Charles Haley, Deion Sanders playing for both of those teams. Uh, Aikman versus Young. I mean, Jerry Rice, uh, just, you know, the legendary teams, Burton Hanks in his neck. I th- That's the... Those 49ers teams are the ones that I will end up watching, I think, the most on YouTube because I am so astounded with the level of talent on those teams. Uh, The other thing was, the other topic was Jarek McKinnon coming back. And it's actually quite rare that Zimmer era players come back and do anything, even with or against the Vikings. Like even Adam Thielen last week, just kind of a guy out there. And Eric Hendricks did not play against the Vikings J. Ron Curse played against them last year with Dallas. He's kind of become a guy for them, but you know, I don't know if that's quite a revenge game. It's not revenge for Jarek McKinnon, but he's turned his career around after a couple of injuries, wins the Super Bowl, has the ball in his hands at the end of the Super Bowl. Uh, I think it's a great story. I enjoyed covering Jarek. He was a very easy person to deal with, great personality, always an enthusiastic guy. But I think you would be better for this, Manny, of talking about players from the past who went other places and sort of came back to haunt the Vikings that were not, say, like Randy Moss putting together one of the greatest seasons of all time as a New England Patriot or something like that that's uh, maybe on the obvious side. So what do you got? So a couple I was thinking of, uh, well, <laughs> one, I, I don't know if he's come back to actually like play the Vikings and haunt them, but he was obviously uh, kicked out of town pretty quickly and he's actually been really good since he left. And it's Daniel Carlson (laughs) as a kicker. He's been collar. You go look at his numbers from the, like the last three years. I think he had a, he had a rough, I think it was 2019. He had a kind of a rough 2019, but ever since then he's been fantastic. He's hitting like over 90% of his kicks. He's hitting deep kicks. I mean, he's been, He's been as rock solid and reliable a kicker as you could you could ask for. And, you know, and Greg Joseph is fine. He's fine. But to think about, like, where what happened with Daniel Carlson here, missing all those kicks in Green Bay week two, you know, him being released basically the next day, Zimmer having the press conference and somebody asking him what led to the decision of letting Daniel Carlson go, and his reply is, did you see the game? <laughs> All of that happening. And the fact that Daniel Carlson's hung around the league and actually turned himself into a pretty damn good kicker is uh, really, really impressive. Uh, another guy I thought of was Rich Gannon. Um, way back in the early 90s, Rich Gannon was just he was just kind of a guy, just a you know quarterback that you could plug in and you know he might win a game or two for you during a season. Uh, but then he goes on to Kansas City and has a nice little run there. And then he goes to Oakland and becomes the MVP of the league at like 36, 37 years old and takes them to the Super Bowl. Um, pretty, pretty remarkable stuff there. So, yeah, immediately it's kind of funny that both both guys involved the Raiders uh, where they went on and had a lot of success. But uh, Daniel Carlson and Rich Gannon were the two guys that really kind of stood out to me. 
Folks, this fall season is an unbelievable time for sports, and I'm always a fan of trying to catch other games when I go on the road to cover football, like baseball, hockey, basketball, just about anything. And that's why I use Game Time, the fast and easy way to buy tickets of any type of event, even music, comedy, whatever you're looking for. Game Time has last-minute flash deals on tickets, images of seats, and a low-price guarantee. You don't have to plan your tickets months out in advance. With Game Time, there are deals on tickets right up to game day. The Game Time guarantee means that you always get the best deal. If you find a better price in the same section or row for less, Game Time will credit you 110%. Buy tickets in seconds and have them arrive right there on your phone. It's great. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code INSIDER for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Because no one has had success with the Raiders uh, since then, basically. (laughs) I mean, I'll throw out Brad Johnson into this conversation as well, that uh, it's not like Brad Johnson got run out of town or anything exactly, or it was anything wrong with the Vikings moving on from him, but he went to Washington, played really well, and then went on to the Super Bowl. Uh, Am I getting my years? Maybe my order is wrong there, but he went to Tampa Bay and and won the Super Bowl in what? Oh, two. And I can't remember if he played for Washington before or after that. It was before. Yeah, it was before. It was before. Okay. So it was before. So he went to Washington, had a couple of good seasons, then went to Tampa Bay, wins the Super Bowl there. And Hey, that's a Vikings quarterback winning the Super Bowl, which we can't talk about too many times historically, but it is funny about how with the Mike Zimmer era, I think that they evaluated their own players extremely well, that it wasn't like they got rid of guys at the wrong times and they may have held on to people for too long, but Xavier Rhodes didn't do much after he was gone. Linval Joseph, like all the guys who were central to those teams, Everson Griffin circled back to the Vikings, but didn't play well with Dallas or with Detroit. Uh, It's just, I, I didn't see a lot of this where players would leave and then become great. From my childhood, there's two that will really blow your mind. I mean, number one, the Vikings benefited from Antoine Winfield. He was with Buffalo, became a free agent. I don't know if they didn't want to pay him, if he didn't want to stay, whatever. It certainly wasn't the weather that was the issue. So he ends up coming here to Minnesota and being great. And he was great in Buffalo, too. And when they let him go, it was a total disaster. And who's the other one I was going to think of? Oh, Jason Peters. They had Buffalo had Jason Peters and let him go because they didn't want to give him a raise. And he became one of the greatest left tackles of all time. So not, not great. Not great. It does happen to everybody. Uh, Also, you wanted to talk about the jets. What did you want to talk about with the jets? This, this revenge game has about the least amount of tension (laughs) or excitement or buildup of any revenge game I've ever seen in my entire life with Aaron Rodgers, If he was there, then it might've been a little fun, but all, all the wind is out of the sails or as uh, Mike Malarkey once said, all the sails are out of the wind. Um, he said the sails are out of our wind once in a post game press conference. And uh, yeah, what, you know how those things stick. So anyway, revenge game, Manny. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 hilarious. I, I always kind of wonder like how 
much that even really goes into, you know, maybe in certain situations, I could see how there's maybe a little more motivation. But in this particular case with the Jets and Broncos, it's kind of like revenge for your offensive coordinator who got fired from the team. And he probably should have gotten fired because he was not doing a very good job. Really? That's it. I don't know. Um, it did make me think of some revenge games in the past or, or games that ended up being kind of revenge games. Uh, the one that I thought of right away was Tony Dungy as the head coach of the Colts coming back to Tampa Bay and having that wild, crazy comeback. I think they were down, was it 35-14 in the fourth quarter with like five minutes left or something like that. And this is the this was 2003. This was the Buccaneers as the defending champions that get great defense with, with Sapp and Derek Brooks and John Lynch, they were still together. Um, and Peyton Manning and the Colts hung three touchdowns on them in less than five minutes to tie the game. And then Vanderjack hit the crazy field goal in overtime uh, to win. So Tony Dungy going back to Tampa uh, and getting that win was, uh, was, was one that came to mind. The Minneapolis miracle, I always kind of view that as kind of a revenge game. It's the Vikings and Saints, and people think about, you know, the 09 NFC title game and, you know, digs with the touchdown to to win it as as well. And then another one that came to mind that was just kind of weird that may 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 fall into the, the Hackett Jets Broncos category was back in 2018 when the Bills came back or came into the U.S. Bank Stadium and blew out the Vikings you know Leslie Frazier was the defensive coordinator for uh, the Buffalo Bills and of course he had been the Vikings coach uh, about a half decade prior so uh, those are the those are the the three that came to my mind and also one that just popped up on my mind pretty obvious one uh, that guy that wore number four I don't really say his name a lot on the air anymore that guy that wore number four going back into Lambeau and uh, beating the Packers uh, as well too Oh yeah, I mean for a player, yeah, revenge game. Uh, there's there's a lot of history there with uh, Favre winning both games that year against Green Bay, which you probably wouldn't have expected. Also, the the one the one thing about this one that's made it particularly lame is Aaron Rodgers trying to be like. I mean, think of everyone's lame. Okay, in this whole thing, Sean Payton yeah. is lame. He's lame for saying it. Like Sean, you better back it up then and um they haven't they haven't they beat the bears on the last second kind of thing so congrats on that but they've been horrendous so they had 70 put on them well if you're gonna call out somebody else's coaching job then you better you know improve on it although i think that their offense is much better than it was under nate hackett and denver can at least score some points unlike last year still you got to win football games if you're going to talk trash but then rogers was like keep my coach's name out of your mouth. You're like, Whoa, or what? Are you going to hit him with a trident? Like what, what are you going to do about it? Rogers, you're going to fight him. He's like 60 years old. Like, Oh no, Rogers, the worst trash talker I've ever seen in my entire life. Is it not clear that Aaron Rodgers like was not popular in high school? He's the only guy who ever made NFL quarterback who was not popular growing up. He's was not a jock. He was probably just a dweeb who didn't know how to talk trash at all. He was on, on, on the hard knocks thing. Aaron Rodgers is going, I don't even know who you are to some like the player for the giants. Is that a good slam? Is that a good slam? I don't, I, I, did you ever talk trash in your life? My guy. So, but the fact that he's not in it takes all the juice out of it. 
with with Sean Payton though, I mean, I guess if he gets smacked, it'll be kind of cool because he ran his mouth. I don't know. I don't care about this, but Parcells and revenge games with all of his teams were kind of a thing, but especially when he went from, I'm trying to think, was it the jets to new England or was it new England to the Jets? It must've been new England to the jets, right? So he jet. was, yep. yes, yes. So when he went from new England to the jets and I think what Curtis Martin was still uh, with new England or whatever it was, you know, they had this kind of thing where he left and that was a battle. I also think about, when Eric Mangini ratted out Bill Belichick. And since then, Belichick has had this long beef with the New York Jets organization and has never let it go. And, you know, it's sort of like you brought that on yourself, Billy, but whatever. Uh, he had Tom Brady, so he just won all the games anyway. That's a funny beef, though. Um, so anyway, let me ask you one last thing, Manny, before we wrap up. Do you believe in Brian Flores versus Patrick Mahomes. Um, I believe that Brian Flores is going to do everything he possibly can to stop Patrick Mahomes. I just don't think the Vikings have enough to get it done. It's just, I mean, the Vikings defense played better last week, but that was Bryce Young with the Biggest deer in the headlights look on his face ever. This is a different ball game, man. This is the king of the world in the NFL right now. This is the guy. This is the best player in the world. Um, I think Brian Flores is going to try a lot of different things, but I just don't think that the Vikings have the horses right now on defense to to make. I I don't. I honestly don't think this game is going to be very competitive. I think the Vikings will hang around early. Uh, but I think the Chiefs will assert their dominance in the second half and really kind of break things open. I don't think this game is going to be close. See, I'm going a different way with this, Manny. I'm giving the Vikings a chance here. Okay. And I think I think that Flores is going to throw a lot of stuff at Mahomes, but where I think the Vikings have a huge advantage is the two defensive ends or outside linebackers, whatever you want to call them. The, the Chiefs' two tackles rank out of 62 tackles in the NFL by PFF. 43rd and 61st they're terrible they are terrible so if you've got a chance to create pressure with less than seven people maybe you could keep some things in front of you the the big thing to me is Valdez Scantling used to hit the Vikings for a 50-yard touchdown like every time he played them with Aaron Rodgers that's to me what you got to worry about is like Valdez Scantling because I think if they keep things in front of them that they've actually tackled extremely well as a cornerback group overall. And the more you kind of ask them to be patient, you might have a chance to create a mistake because the one slight thing about Patrick Mahomes' game, and I mean ever so slight, is that he might try to do too much and he might make a mistake because of that or throw a ball that a guy's not expecting and have it bounce off his dome or whatever. Like that, that is the only chance you have but I also think when the Vikings get down in a game, we know this, they are never out. And so as long as they have Justin Jefferson, they're in the game and they can keep it close. That's That's how I think it's going to go. I could be completely wrong. I just never pick blowouts anymore because they don't have them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I think that the, the biggest thing too is 
if the Chiefs, I mean, obviously it, it kind of goes without saying, if the Chiefs put up points, if the Vikings are going to have a chance, they're going to have to match them. I, I, is, is Dalton, is this the week that we see Dalton Reisner? I, I, I don't know. I, I say that because I'm a little bit concerned with Ed Ingram having to deal with Chris Jones. I mean, that's, could, could potentially be a problem. Um, but I, I, you know, if, if the Vikings can just put up some points, don't, for the love of God, don't turn the ball over. Stop throwing picks. Stop fumbling the football. You can't do it against this team. Um, if they can do that, then I think they've got a shot. I just, I have a hard time believing that the, that the Vikings defense is going to be able to, to do enough to, to keep them in it. Fair enough. I can't dispute that. I think that the totality of the Vikings defense has been better than last year, but at times they have been on the field for so long. And this is the one thing I would be concerned about this week is one of the indicators that fantasy and gambling people figured out a long time ago was how much was a defense on the field the previous week for projecting them. Now Flores rotates a lot of people, so maybe it's less relevant, they were on the field for 40 minutes against the Carolina Panthers on a hot day. They they took a toll, even if they overall won that game and didn't give up a lot of points. And if that team could keep you on the field, Kansas City will do the same thing, except for they'll finish the drives. That was Carolina moved the ball to the goal line, kicked a field goal, moved the ball into Vikings territory, fumbled it away, moved the ball, got sacked by Harrison Smith. They were in position in that game to score 28 points, and they just didn't do it. Kansas City will not give that to you. Uh, I'm going to end the show with this, Manny. Uh, Jonathan Harrison did us a favor. I forgot to play this earlier, but Patrick Mahomes talked about Justin Jefferson, and Justin Jefferson talked about Patrick Mahomes, which is just cool. So I'm going to play those, and then we will say goodnight. Here's Mahomes on Justin Jefferson. Yeah, no, uh, first off, Justin Jefferson, I mean, he's, he's great. I think um... – it's a it's a it's talent being able to recognize coverages and I think what people really don't understand is how physical he is catching the football. Um, if you watch the games, man, I mean he he will go up there and get it. He'll put his body on the line. You can tell he loves competing. He loves winning. Um, and so I think that's what makes a lot of great players in this league, and that's why he's had so much success so early in his career. Uh, I mean it's it's special. Uh, I mean uh, you know when you talk about him. Uh, it's a, it, it, you kind of got to put him in a conversation by itself. Uh, it's something that you cannot teach. Uh, the different throws that he make, uh, uh, just the different reads that he have, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to see on film, but uh, I, I always feel confident in our defense. Uh, I feel like we have you know the right schemes, and uh, we're going to bring the right pressure to him. Uh, so I feel like we're ready. I'm excited about this one, Manny. I know you're just saying they're going to get killed, but uh, I I am excited about this. It's going to be quite the weekend of football. I think this is one where I'm, I'm trying not to take for granted that I'm going to cover a game between Justin Jefferson, and Patrick Mahomes. So I, I think it's pretty exciting. Yeah. And I'll, I'm, I'll be totally honest. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I would love to see this game be, be close and competitive and, you know, even, even in a season where, you know, it it might not be looking great for the Vikings. I mean, a lot can happen between now and the end of the season, but um, you still sort of relish in these matchups, you know, when you see great player against great player. And, you know, this is the first time the Vikings will go up against Patrick Mahomes ever. The last time they played the Chiefs, 
uh, Mahomes was injured and it was Matt Moore. And so uh, to to get the get the opportunity to see uh, the hometown team play uh, one of the great players in this league uh, against one of the great teams in this league is going to be really exciting. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, good stuff, Manny. Thank you all in the comments and, of course, watching live on YouTube for joining. And uh, it'll be Dane Mizutani and myself on this very channel or, of course, as always, on the podcast side after the game. And uh, it's either the season is very much on and this team has a great chance to playoffs or who's watching football with me next Saturday to check out some quarterbacks. So that's, that's the difference here. So we'll see how it goes, but uh, thanks Manny for your time as always super fun. And thanks everybody for watching slash listening. And we'll talk to y'all later football.